views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of Take 12 Radio, KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, or our affiliates. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here are your co-hosts, Tony Mesbarger and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to another another workshop here. Uh, this is workshop number three, um, or, or I should say show number three on this workshop, Understanding Intervention, uh, with our friend Tony Mesbarger uh, at Benchmark Recovery Center in Austin, Texas. Tony, how you doing this week, my friend? I'm doing well. Busy, 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 which, uh, you know, what we st- discussed earlier, great. Uh, it's always good to be busy in this business, uh, getting people well. So, yeah, great week. Right, so, right. Well, well, uh, when you're in the business that uh, that you're in, uh, it, it can really take you for a ride. I mean, you, you're going to be busy all the time. You have to be really flexible, right? I mean, uh, you're in the business of saving lives, and sometimes those lives – seem like they want to be saved, but then they change their minds, don't they? Oh, they do. I, yeah, <laughs> i got case after case of, of that. I mean, for the most part, and we do a pretty good job of, of getting them on the hook and reeling them in, but, uh, you know, a lot of times it, it can be very wearing. I mean, you have to, you definitely have to take care of yourself. I mean, there has to be self-care involved when you're working in this industry, for sure. You bet. You know, that's why I get up early in the mornings and I, you know, I work out early in the mornings that way, because I know I'm going to be phone busy. I'm going to be on the phones or or something along those lines. So I get up early and, and do uh, do my exercise and get um, you know, my prayer meditation out of the way uh, and, uh, you know, get a good connection going and then leave for work. And then, of course, during the course of the day, you know, do some self-care, get away from the phones for a little bit and, uh, you know, just, just disconnect from it. you got to do that. You have to. Yep, yep, you do. Uh, or you can't let, can't let it own you. That's right, sure. right, you betcha. Well, uh, we've been uh, we've been talking about intervention uh, and listeners, and if you are listening to this show and you haven't listened to uh, part one and two, I encourage you to do that. Uh, our first uh, our first show was intervention. What is it? And uh, Tony explained exactly what it is, what it isn't. And uh, our second show was called "Getting the Family on Board." And uh, that was all about uh, talking to the loved ones, uh, maybe even employers, family members, uh, and, and, and getting people on the same page because it's important that we are all on the same page when it comes to uh, intervening on, on someone who needs an intervention. Well, this, uh, this workshop, the third one out of four, uh, is called Face to Face. Tony, you want to explain what this is and you just want to kind of Launch us forth on what this is all about. Well, I will tell you this. You know, uh, there's there's so much value to going knee to knee, face to face with somebody. Uh, you know, family members. Uh, you know, uh, the addicted. It, it just it, it really does work. Uh, you know, there's something about being able to you know read body languages. Uh, you know, see people's reaction to different things. Uh, it's hard over the telephone to really gauge what's going on. I mean, if you've been doing it for years, you can you can you know kind of figure out some of this stuff. But actually going toe to toe with people, uh, in this case, if you're doing an intervention, you know, obviously the family first, and some right. of the pre-intervention work that's involved with that. 
Uh, and then, of course, uh, during the execution of the intervention itself, that's going uh, face-to-face with the, uh, with the actual addict- addicted person. Uh, okay, so when that happens, when, it, when, it, when it's time to talk to the person um, and, and you bring them in, I mean, I mean we, we talked about going to them or having them come to you. What, what's preferable? Well, you know, I, I like to have it in a neutral spot a lot right. of times, just depending on, on, you know, the situation. I mean, we talked about the fact that if you've got somebody that uh, could have a real healthy network of enablers around them, uh, you know, people that are maybe dangerous, you'll find that quite often in the meth world. Uh, you know, you don't want to walk into something. Safety's always first. So you don't want to walk into a situation where you're going to put your life in in danger and the people that are that are involved in the intervention. So a neutral spot is uh, is always good. Uh, you know, and then of course, you know, a lot of times you're going to find them that are actually still living at home or they're living in an apartment or something like that. And and if you know enough of the particulars, you can go into those situations without you know having to put the you know a bunch of bunch of safety up. I mean, even for dogs, you look for different things like that, but you. Uh, I really like neutral areas, you know, invite them over to a certain area to do it. Or most of them are done in, in a parent's home or, you know, they've invited them over. They magically found some money or something along those lines and yeah. they come over. Of course, you know, the addict will come over for, for the money and, and uh, then you just sit down with them. Sure, sure. Uh, okay, you had an experience now with with, with honoring uh, – um, uh, anonymity and so forth. Can can you take us through some of the stuff that that went on this last week? Uh, you, you said you said had some ammo for us this week as far as information goes. Um, you were doing a face to face, true? Yeah, absolutely. What what happened here in this particular case? Uh, we had uh, I'd done a, a I had done some some work with the family uh, to get them uh, you know moving towards wellness. And uh, get get their their loved one moving towards wellness, and and everything worked out. I mean, you know, one of the things that you're working with is generally when you the first call is going to be a crisis call. Uh, you know, you got to get them out of that crisis mode and, and get them refocused on on solution. And so I got this family moving. And, you know, there wasn't enough work you know to be done. They had to move this individual fairly quick. Uh, they, you know, she had, she had been out uh, all night long drinking, uh, you know, once again, and everybody was pretty much fed up, and they said, well, we got to get her somewhere. They really thought she was hurt herself. So, of course, you know, on that one there, uh, you know, we moved this individual towards a detox uh, center away from her home, uh, which is very preferable, by the way, where you want to move them away from home. You don't want them in their hometown. They get well on you, too, right. if you will. Yeah. So uh, we moved her and got her, got her to our place, and, of course, that involves a lot of going back and doing a lot of rework uh, with the family, you know, to get them completely, again, sewn up and on board. I'd much rather do that at the front end, at the front door, than I would, you know, have to go back and do rework because there's always holes in it. And, of course, uh, the family's at a distance, and so I was not able to get face-to-face with them. Uh, and, of course, the, uh, the, the loved one went into, into this detox setting and, of course, immediately did not want to be there, which sure. is, 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 is a lot of the case. Yeah. But she was able to get to her husband and start working her 
let me let me rephrase that. Her disease got to her husband and started reworking him. I mean, completely worked him over. Uh, you know, I learned my lesson. You know, all this, the same stuff that you always hear. Learn my lesson and all this other stuff. What really ended up happening was within you know a couple of days, I realized, you know, working with the family. I mean, I was I was doing triage with the family. I realized that. You know, she moved too quick. There wasn't enough work done. And of course, the husband bought into every bit of it. The end of the story is, is she left with him out of detox with her plan on how it was going to look. Mind you, this plan was one that, uh, this one, it was a plan that, uh, that she had already tried back in the, in the day. So, you know, she's, you know, good chance. I wish her all the, all the luck in, in, in the world. She may be doing well at this point in time. I'll have to check on her. But at this point in time, uh, you know, her chances have been reduced considerably because yet the disease, uh, which you do not negotiate with, once, won once again. Now, the, 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 you know, I guess the, the lesson learned there, you know, yet once again is, is, you know, you really try to slow these families down and say, look, let's do this in a more methodical way than rather a reactive, a reactive way because you can do a lot of work with families over the phone, but at some point in time getting face-to-face with them and sitting down with them and saying, okay, this is what you're up against. And, and, and I, I read body languages. I've found so much to be in body language. You know, you mentioned something about enabling, and usually, you know, before the fingers start pointing, you'll see somebody in the room get very uncomfortable. They get very mm-hmm. uncomfortable because they know that they're the ones that are funding their disease. And so, you know, body language means everything. So face-to-face is more preferable. Had I had this family face-to-face and not had to have done the, the phone work and move her as quickly as we had to, according to them, you know, move her as quickly as we had to, uh, there's a good chance that she'd still be in detox, and then she would have moved over towards uh, towards a, a treatment setting. Right. Uh, not of her own. <laughs> Uh, when you're working with a family face to face, do you sit down with individual family members or as a group? How's that work? As a group. Uh huh. As a group, um, that's the best way to do it is with a group. Um, yeah, very rarely. Now there'll be an individual. Every once in a while, there'll be an individual in the pre-intervention that will pull you off to the side and ask some questions and stuff like that. But everything is transparent and done around. You know, everybody's in a group setting. Everything is transparent. Um, you know, and it's it's really important to do that because you don't want anybody as a lone ranger, if you will, doing their own thing uh, or coming up. So there's, there's some boundaries and some rules that are set up. Uh, you know, there's handouts and there's things like that that you give them around enabling, uh, you know, different things that you can, you know, information that, that they can take with them to read on and stuff like that. And, of course, uh, you know, you read the letters and, and uh, you see the reaction around the letters. What I'm looking for is, uh, let's say, you know, some emotions. They're reading the letters to us and showing this is the pre-intervention work. They're reading the letter and somebody gets real emotional. I encourage them to use that emotion in the in the uh, in the intervention itself when it's executed. It means the world because you're trying to tug on some heartstrings, right. you're trying to get this person to feel something in a bare moment, uh, and so uh, that's that's really important. So you know the meeting is face to face with the family. It's, I I would never be involved in an intervention or do an intervention uh, that did not have pre-intervention work done. I'm talking about face-to-face time where you sit down with the family unit uh, and maybe a couple of other influential people and uh, and do that type of work. It just, uh, you know, there's people that will do that. I, I don't prescribe to that. Uh, what What is the percentage of uh, folks that, that you sit down with uh, where the family is a broken family, you know, a broken home? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really sad to see. That's what the, the, the disease of addiction, it divides. And, yeah. and, and we talked about this in one of the previous shows. It's a, it's a, it's a divider, and it loves, to, it loves division more than anything. And so, you know, it, it, most of the time you're seeing a lot of, a lot of broken families. The disease affects, I mean, it's, it's proven. It's a family disease. And so, you know, I'll give you a for instance. Let's say uh, a mother has, uh, has her son that's addicted to heroin, and, uh, you know, she knows it, and, and she knows he's on it, and she has a job. Well, she's going to that job. First of all, she's not giving 100% at that job. She's not, uh, you know, uh, actively participating in, right. in her employment. But not only that, but at home, my goodness. You know, it's like a like an elephant sitting in the middle of a room, uh, you know. And, and usually, you know, there's going to be some blame game going on. I call it the blame game. Somebody's responsible for it. Well, if you wouldn't have done this or that, then he wouldn't be like this or that. And you know, so there's a there's a, a wall of ignorance around the, the disease of addiction and what they're really up against. And so, you know, and again, it's it loves to divide families. What better way to, to, to divide families? Uh, you know, than to, to 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 have this person out there on an island by themselves. Uh, it, sure. To everybody, you know, a lot of times what you'll see, you'll see families that are trying to deal with this as, as individuals. They're not coming to bed together as a unit, and there's value again of bringing the family together and getting everybody speaking the same language. In the intervention itself, I mean, you'll see unification, and you'll see families that will actually get relief in the unification that comes behind that. That's the beautiful thing about an intervention, is to see a divided family go into a unified, uh, unified stance against the disease of addiction. Right. And, of course, they're moving, they're moving their loved ones towards wellness. Everybody gets well. That is the good news. Uh, what what about the um, the stepfather or stepmother? Do you ever have problems where uh, maybe you get a divorced uh, mom and dad? They're coming together to both you know help their child, mm-hmm. and then there, but there's there's this outsider to you know maybe dad feels like the new husband really doesn't get it. What's he doing here and 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 that kind of thing? Does that ever happen? Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and that, you know, and when you have one of those situations, and that's a great question because you do. That's quite often that you get. I mean, we live in a society of divorce. I mean, there's right. a lot of that that goes on, remarriages and and whatnot. And that's that could be a little bit complicated because you know usually one parent is angry at the other one where they're not even talking, and then they they have to come together in communication sure. to get this thing done. And, 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 you know, really, the, 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 before pre-intervention, I mean, over the telephone, I'm telling, you know, the parents, I'm saying, look, you know, you're going to get, you're gonna have to get over yourselves here for a moment. Uh, this is not about the two of you and what's happened between the two of you. And, and, and you got to, there's a general way of doing that to where you can bring them together. Uh, you know, and, and this is a cause. we got to get this done. And, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I, I, we, it's, it's not that difficult to get it done, but it, 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 there's some work involved in it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, stepfathers a lot of times will be completely out of the picture. The father will be completely out of the picture, and the stepfather steps in to help, and then the, the biological father will get upset because he wasn't involved, yet he's using drugs with Johnny. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, if there's, there's a lot of complications, you know, to some of this stuff. I mean, absent fathers are very common, uh, you know, and, and so you got a stepfather. Just and, and a lot of it's got to depend on the relationship that the stepfather has with the the, the addicted, the IP. A lot of times, what you'll find is because they don't, they're not, they're not blood or they're not biological, uh, biologically 
you know, connected, what you'll find a lot of times is, is they have the trust of that step-parent. Because the parent, that step-parent plays kind of this neutral party, so they can be very, very effective in this process. Very. Right, right. Uh, okay, let, let, let's talk about the... Um Let's stay on, on on the child and the parent thing for a minute. So I, I do want to talk about the reverse of that, uh, where there is uh, children trying to intervene on a parent. But uh, let's stay on the child for a second. Um, is it common for the child to find a spouse, a sibling, uh, during the intervention that they feel they can take sides with or get on their side and... Uh, uh, does the person uh, does does it happen to where they kind of uh, the family member who was supposed to be kind of standing on this united front ends up melting and taking the side of the one you're intervening on? Oh, you know what? And again, there's your pre-intervention work. Yeah, that is all done in the pre-intervention work. You know, that's why you really, this is why in the pre-intervention, if you see somebody that is not going to, to be able to, 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 to stand firm yeah. uh, with, with their boundaries in their letter, uh, then, then you, you, you kind of, you'll ask them, then we're going to just get you in the background here. You know, it's not anything against you or anything like that. It's, we need to, so we need to, we need to pare this down. Uh, some so you'll you know there's people that that make you know have a little feelings hurt that they're not a, they're not part of it but you can smell that out pretty quick uh, and uh, you know the one thing about it is uh, you know what, the way that this is executed is you know you're, you they they have a letter that's written right and in that letter you keep them right on that letter there's no ad living there's none of this. You know, uh, well, you know, and, you know, by the way, this, this, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's completely, and those letters are seamed up. Everybody knows exactly, uh, uh, what's on that, on that letter. There's no ad-libbing, uh, you know, even if the addict stops and tries to say it, I just, I, you know, I keep them quiet and just, just say, you know, be respectful and let your mother, your father, your brother, sister, aunt, uncle, or whatever continue on. And, uh, you know, you'll have your, you'll have a moment to speak here and you'll have your opportunity to speak in a moment. And uh, so it really keeps everything like that. Of course, you know, the interventionist's job is to make sure that everything is orchestrated and that they're taking, they have control over that intervention, not the addict, not the family members. Right, right. They'll make a mess of it. So you have to have complete control of the room. The addict will, most of the time, uh, they're, they're going to try to take, take control of the situation and manage the situation. And of course, you, if you, you know how to manage you, you If you're good enough, you know how to take that out. Right, right, so. right, right. Uh, okay, let, let's talk about children intervening on mom or dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a different dynamic there? Yeah, a little, a little bit. You know, I mean... Uh, you definitely will see, you will see that a lot of times, theirs are difficult ones in, in a lot of cases because, you know, you got a, you got a, a child that was raised by this individual, uh, you know, then they're coming in and telling them, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this, this, and this. And it really is, it's a, it, it could be a real tough one. Yeah. Uh, you know, to weave through. But, you know, again, there's, there's where the, the, you know, the pre-intervention that's done, you know, and, and making it real firm that we're not talking to dad here. We're not talking to mom here. We're talking to the disease of addiction. 
See, and that's really, it's important. I've said that several times, and I don't know if I've clarified myself on that point, that what we're up against here is the disease of addiction, not the individual itself. The disease of addiction is what we're up against, and that's who you're addressing. You're not addressing, you know, mom or dad. You're addressing the disease of addiction. And that really does help out when you're when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with with uh, you know parental uh, parental uh, you know when you got a parent or whatever mm-hmm. uh, it really does help. Uh, so you know they're they're able to do that and uh, and whatnot. But it is it's and it's very common by the way. And a lot of this has got to do with you know how involved they are in their lives. I mean you know a lot of times by the time the disease of addiction has taken them to an isolated place where they might not have even been in contact for years. Right. Uh, that, that can work to your benefit because they walk in and they've missed, you know, really deep down inside, the, the real person underneath there has missed their, their loved ones. And, uh, boy, that's a, you want to get to that. That's where you want to get to. So Right, right. It can work, it can work to your advantage if they haven't been in their lives. It can also, in some cases, work against you. you know, a lot of it's got to do with acuity and how acute they are and how, how far gone they are. Uh, yeah, I, I'll bet because, you know, I, I've, I've seen uh, – uh, cases where the person will come in all defiant and then they'll like you said they'll see somebody they haven't seen and then they melt i mean it just, oh yeah oh. It, yeah they just melt it's a very emotional event oh so, my gosh as, as stern as and as long as i've been doing this kind of work bonnie i'll tell you you know and anybody that you know that, that's been that's done this long enough you're going to run into it and i almost every every intervention that I've been involved with is, I mean, you get teared up. I mean, you gotta, you gotta hold stern there, but I mean, right. this, this stuff is, is tear jerking. Um, you know, it'll bring up every emotion that you have. And, and of course, you know, being, um, you know, being, uh, coming from a, you know, a family of, of, of addiction myself, of course, it, it always reminds me of, of where I have been. You bet. So it's very emotional, but it really, it's, man, I'm gonna tell you, you talk about the United family. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wonderful to yeah. see. Yeah, and and, and uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about how this affects the interventionist uh, and, and some of your experiences with that. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back. More with Tony Mesberger and face-to-face in this workshop, Understanding Intervention, when we return. Whether you have completed alcohol treatment or drug rehab multiple times, or have never been to any type of structured treatment program, the Benchmark Recovery Center offers a full continuum of care for addiction recovery. This is the Monty Man from Take 12 Recovery Radio. And may I recommend to you Benchmark Recovery Center. They offer an extended care recovery program for adult men and women struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction. Located east of Austin, Texas, on 70 acres, the gender-specific 90-day residential program focuses on the 12 steps, life skills, spirituality, and fitness. After completing the residential phase, residents transition into company-owned sober living and 12 months of aftercare monitoring. If you're ready to learn how to live a sober, responsible, committed life full of promise, Benchmark is here for you. To speak with an admission specialist, call 866-905-4550 or visit the website at benchmarkcenter.com. Discover a life full of permanent sobriety with Benchmark Recovery Center. 
All right, welcome back. And when we are uh, talking with Director of Admissions for Benchmark Recovery Center out of Austin, Texas, uh, Tony Messbarger uh, has been so gracious to uh, give of his time in putting this workshop together uh, for you listeners. Uh, it, it, is, it is such a blessing because this is something that uh, many of us need to have a deeper understanding of. One of the things that uh, a lot of people want to do they're, they they've got the you know the right sentiment behind it, but what they like to do is try to uh, do an intervention on their own. And, and I want to tell you, and we've talked about this with the other shows, uh, that that is a big, 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 and sometimes fatal mistake. You want to get the professionals involved. You you want people that know what they're doing and uh, people that can stand firm and that can help facilitate this thing. Because if you do not, uh, you're like you're like somebody trying to practice medicine that has never been to medical school. It's you're a fish out of water. Uh, regardless how much you love the other person, regardless of of how much you want to see them be all better today. Uh, this takes work, doesn't it, Tony? This takes time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, that, one thing that you said, I, I can't impress that or emphasize that enough around the, the fact that the failing needs to get somebody involved. Uh, you know, it, it, it can turn into a complete mess. And you talk about dividing families. So, yeah. you know, I always recommend that you get it. Not, not only to mention, I mean, right before the break, we talked about, you know, the, the toll that it has on people. Uh, you know, it can accelerate this whole process. I mean, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, the attic could actually, you know, go off and do something completely stupid. Right. Uh, without going, without going to treatment. Not, not to mention the family members becoming divided and, and, you know, at war with, it, with each other. So. Sure. It's, it's real important. You know, one thing I want to clarify real quick. I have assumed a, a position here at Benchmark Center, a Benchmark Recovery Center as, uh, as an admissions consultant and intervention so Patrick McNamara is the director of admissions. Oh, okay. So I just wanted to clarify okay. that real quick, so the folks don't get confused when they call here. Thank uh, you. That they're, uh, they're 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 calling the director of admissions if they ask for me. So um, yeah. So Patrick, Patrick, Patrick is, Patrick's is, been doing this for a long time, and he's one of the best in the country at doing this. Uh, you know, he's homegrown. <laughs> yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you for your work, my friend. Uh, because, and like we had said this before, uh, somebody that's involved in admissions just isn't sitting behind a desk typing information on a computer. Uh, it's a lot more involved. (laughs) A lot of work involved in that. And and he's one of the best. I mean, you'll, you'll never meet a guy that puts more passion and love into what he does than Patrick McNamara. That's for sure. Right. Great. Good stuff. All right. Uh, and I want to let the, uh, the listeners know that the website is benchmarkcenter.com or you can follow the links here at uh, Take 12 Radio. Uh, we have ben- Benchmark's text link at the bottom of all of our pages and, of course, uh, their banner here uh, on understanding intervention. Okay, so we've taught, we've touched on this before uh, about uh, the interventionist uh, making sure they take care of their own uh, their own recovery and so forth. But uh, this has got to be, I mean, you're doing this stuff, uh, you know, it just isn't once a year. I mean, so this takes a toll. I mean, what an emotional thing to go through, right? For the interventionist. 
It is. It, it really is. And, and you know, you're, you you have to, goodness, I mean, thank God for my mentors in this business because, you know, I can remember early on doing admissions work, you know, and I had, uh, of course, my mentor was a guy named Mark Houston uh, right. that actually uh, created what's now Benchmark Recovery. And I remember, you know, going into his office and, and just being overwhelmed because a mom had called me. I was in the middle of an intake call and her son had died. And, and Mark looked at me and he said, "You know, you, you, you know, put put your put your boots on, my friend, and get ready for it because you know you got to wear thick skin around here." And and that's the truth. I mean, you have to, you get to a point where, you know, you really have to to where you have to have thick skin, but not it doesn't always work. Yeah. Uh, you know, you walk into these very emotional events. Let me back up a little bit. I mean, you know, you start with the initial phone call with a family that's obviously in crisis. Uh, I mean, they're completely. They don't know what to do. Uh, they're scared to death. Uh, they don't. They don't. They don't have a clue which direction to take. And of course, you're you, at that point in time. What I always do, always do, is first bring them down. Bring them out of the crisis mode. Get them focused and say, "Look, look we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do it methodically and get them through the crisis mode." And of course, you know, you have to be really calm with all this. You cannot be. You know, you can't. You know, react to some of their reactions. Right. Uh, you know, it's real easy to do that. That's where your own body of work comes in. And I really believe some of the best interventionists are obviously people that are in recovery and that have experienced the things that, uh, uh, you know, whether it be in an Al-Anon, whether they've been, you know, involved with somebody with addiction or they've been the addict or alcoholic themselves. Uh, they make the best. So, the, the, you know, doing your own body of work is very important because you must be centered in this because you are going up against the disease of addiction. And uh, you do not ever, by the way, uh, one of the values of this, too, I mean, the interventionists will go in there on their own, but they're also with family members. And, uh, you know, because you can walk into, into environments where there's drugs. Obviously, alcohol is very prevalent. Uh, you can walk into a situation where there's, you know, the drug that you used could be actually be sitting on the table. So, you know, you always want to be on your, on your, yeah. you know, on your best game. Uh, if you're not, you're, you're going to fall victim. And so that old saying in the 12 step programs, don't, don't ever go on a 12 step call by yourself. Uh, you go over there by yourself and, uh, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're using with the individual or you, you know, you haven't checked yourself before you went over there. So really just taking care of yourself is very important and, and, and being able to work with these families in crisis, get them out of crisis mode, you know, move them into a solution, you know, a solution, a can do attitude. I don't walk into anything without a can do attitude. It's going to happen. I don't walk in with any kind of a, any less. This is going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I mm -hmm. transmit that uh, in my work to the individual individuals that I'm working with. There's, there's not an option here. It's going to work. And, um, so you don't say, you don't say to the, fa you don't say to the family, well, this, this may not work. Well, they all, yeah, every family, I've never taken a call where, you know, the, their, their addict or their alcoholic is the worst. You, well, you just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, and that's usually what you, and you, you got to overcome that, but you don't want to minimize what's going on there with them. I mean, that's what they're experiencing. Now, typically what you'll find is that's how the family's experiencing. There's the value of an interventionist because an interventionist comes in with no, with no emotions, no feelings tied to all of this, no blood, no nothing they walk in and, and of course the, you know they neutralize the room completely neutralize the room right and uh there's the value in that do, do you have you ever had uh, people come uh to you that have done an intervention before with their loved one and oh. for whatever reason it didn't work Oh yeah, 
typically there's a lot of times where that happens, and it's a quasi, you know, it's not, it's not usually yeah. a real form. You know, they'll come, well, I think every day somebody's trying to intervene on them. <laughs> you know, one way or another, you know, I mean, you'll get the call today, I'm, I'm done, I've talked to him until I'm blue in the face, I mean, he's had legal consequences, you know, that wasn't enough. Right. You'll hear all of this, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's very common, Monty, to see that. I mean, most families are going to try to, to, to intervene to a degree, but once that are dangerous or when they, they formally get together and huddle up, read a bunch of stuff online, and then go try to do it without somebody neutralizing the yeah. room and, uh, and, and, and orchestrating, more importantly, how this is going to go and keeping the attic out of the control, out of the control, out of the control tower, if you will. Uh, you know, so that's, that's very important. How do you assess, uh, you know, what treatment facility they should go into, particularly if they've been through treatment before? Yeah, good question. You know, your chronic relapse, there's some places, well, benchmark recovery is one of them, and there's places uh, that, that do work with the chronic alcoholic and addict. I mean, the person that's had multiple treatment episodes, right. kitchen tractions, and traction in the rooms, uh, you know, some really good places out there. Benchmark Recovery Center, I'll tell you, you know, and I don't just say this because, I, you know, I hope to open this place up and I've, I've worked here for years and, and whatnot, but I will tell you this, you know, with a the, with, with the person that, that's been to treatment more than once, they've got all the information. I mean, there's not much to teach in a 30-day treatment center or one of these treatment centers. I mean, you're giving, right. them, uh, you're giving them a lot of information. What, what typically happens with the chronic, and I'll use the chronic as an example, what's, what's dealing with the person that's been to multiple treatment episodes is they've got all the information, but they have yet to use it in, in a practical way. To put it in a practical application, as Bill would say in my book. Uh, so what you, what you find is they have a lot of information, but they never put it into action. Place like this, benchmark recovery. What you're going to find is you're going to find you know where everything that we do is practical application. It's about the day the individual gets out of the treatment center. So for a chronic relapse, this is a perfect place. If you've got somebody that uh, let's say you know has never been to treatment before, uh, you know they got they're they're insurance dependent. They have maybe not the ability to do the longer term of care in a private pay manner. Right. Then uh, you've got plenty of. Uh, really good, solid 30-day residential treatment centers that they can go to, and, and, and maybe this will work for them. Uh, maybe this is their first time out. It's a, uh, you know, an 18- or 19-year-old that's, uh, that's getting into some marijuana, you know, for instance, and they're not as as uh, far advanced as somebody else. Maybe they're going through a phase. Maybe they're not even a real addict or alcoholic. Maybe they're just somebody who's gone through a phase, and you get them into a treatment center, and they go on down the, go on the path to wellness. Sure. Uh, so, you know, that's the, you know, those are some examples. And, of course, there's, there's so many treatment centers throughout the country. It's, it's really good to, as an interventionist to get a, you know, to get a, I don't, I don't, I don't prescribe to have them, you know, like 150 that I send to. You know, I'm looking for some real specific treatment, the, the best fits for the individual. Mm-hmm. You'll have somebody that may have some more clinical issues that need a, a higher clinical setting. You'll need somebody that needs a really, really long-term treatment center where they need to go for a longer term of care, where you got a Lange Lodge, you got Burning Tree Recovery Ranch, uh, you know, got some of those places that do some, you know, do fine work. Uh, you know, so, and you got to do what's right by the individual. It's not about selfishness. And here's another one that drives me crazy. This is not about, and I hope some interventionists are listening, this is not about building your, 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 building a reputation or building your referral source. This is about what's doing right by the client. Where does that client best fit? 
Yeah, yeah. I live, I live on that. I lived on that ever since I've been in this industry, and I'll get plenty. And your 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 business will come to you. Because unfortunately, that does happen, doesn't it, Tony? Where it's about building your referral source, it's about your reputation and that kind of thing. I mean, it, let, let's it face is, it. it is, and it's it's our it's our nature to want to prosper and, and build a larger a larger group of people. But when you when you make that the important piece of this, and the right. individual becomes secondary, there's a problem with that. There's a huge problem with that. You got to do what's right by the client. Not everybody fits a benchmark recovery center. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've turned away because they're not a fit here. I'm not going to try to fit somebody in here that's not a fit. Sure. I'll make a great recommendation based on how they're presenting and send them to another place. But you know, as an interventionist, I think it's really important to to to, to well, it's it's paramount to send an individual to where they'll, they'll best prosper. You have to work with current realities. What is the what does the family have? Do they have Do they have private pay ability? Do they have insurance? Can they blend? Can they do insurance and a private pay where they're blending it? Uh, you know these kinds of things. Those are all considerations. Uh, but most what's most important is where is this individual going to get the best solution for what they're up against? Sure, you bet. Has it has it been uh, your experience that in many cases employers will uh, will support this and put their jobs? Uh, the client's job on hold while they get well? Absolutely. More so now than, than back uh, even 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Nowadays, it's it's very common. I mean, you go to you go to Walmart or uh, CVS. I mean, you know, you look at the you know People magazine or uh, some of these magazines that are sitting up there. I mean, the, you know, somewhere on that front of that magazine is about so and so inner treatment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's, it's some of these intervention shows we've mentioned that in previous shows. You know, like intervention and you know the work that Ken Seeley and and, uh, and some of these people have done. Right. You know, it's it's wonder Ben Levinson over there with Origins and getting in front of Doctor Phil and really putting a uh, you know putting a, a face to, to addiction is is uh, is really important. So it's, the employers, some people know this. It's very common. I don't know of anybody in in this. In, in this country, at least, probably worldwide, that doesn't have somebody that they know or a loved one that's been affected by the disease of addiction. So I promise you, most employers are going to be, most employers are sympathetic to it unless that person has just burned it up. Right. Completely burned right. it up. And uh, you really want to protect their employment. So a lot of times we'll work through the employee assistance programs. In other words, you you know, the, the employee assistance program gets involved and you talk to that advocate uh, so that it's not something that the, uh, the you're not even talking to an employer. You just get the uh, the advocation, the, uh, get an advocate in the way of an EAP officer or somebody that's in, ch- in charge of that. EAPs do work, by the way. They're very effective. They're confidential. Uh, you know, I always tell people, you cannot be fired on a substance abuse issue. Uh, you can through a performance issue, but it is related to a, 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 a substance abuse unless, you, of course, you've wrecked a company vehicle and they've done a blood, right. or, a blood or urine test, yes. But on a, on a substance abuse issue where it's not, it isn't performance related to your work, you can go into treatment and, and you will be covered under short-term disability. I just brought a guy in yesterday like that. So employers are very favorable, more so than ever. More so than ever. Yeah. Uh, the, the intention, isn't it, uh, when it's time to actually do the intervention that the, uh, the person you're intervening on is going to go immediately from that place to treatment? Isn't that the, the goal? Pack them and go. Yeah. Uh, they're already, they're already packed. 
Uh, I, there's nothing that I, I will not allow a family to, to to start putting luggage together while you're intervening on this. And you know, after you've intervened on it, so it you know, it's, it just doesn't work very well. I mean, you, you, the, you're 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 up against time at this point in time. That window of opportunity has opened. They felt the brunt of the interfer you know, the intervention. Right. It's called you know, pull the handle up and roll, and get them moving towards uh, towards wellness immediately. Uh, you get them to the airport. Uh, I, I secure cell phones at that point in time. I'll, I'll tell them, look, you won't need your cell phone for a little bit, so let's leave it here if they're adamant about taking it. Of course, uh, you know, there's no, no facility that I'll work with that will allow them their cell phone anyway, so they can travel travel with their cell phone if they want to text and, and uh, do whatever they got to do, then that's, that's fine. But you roll them. You get them immediately. Uh, and, and here's another part of that, too. I mean, we talked about this in previous shows. Let's say mom is in the middle of her, no, I don't like to use mom because I like moms and dads to finish. I usually like to start with mom and dad if I can, not always. Let's say in that type of a scenario. But uh, let's say brother is, uh, we've done three or four letters and brother's in the middle of it and, and uh, you know, the, the addicted stands up and goes, okay, well, well, I'll go. I stop the event, the intervention immediately. Now, I know there's some people that are diametrically opposed to that, but I stop the intervention immediately. We grab it and we go. I grab letters, and then, of course, the letters are given to the treatment team who can use those letters, not in a, in a, in a, uh, you know, shaming way, but can use those right. letters, uh, to, to, uh, to, for, for them to read and let them know what, how the other family members, members do. But when I get a commitment to roll or a commitment to go, we're gone. I mean, it's over. It's, it's done. Why? Why, why? No, you know, no kissing the family dog or whatever. You know, it's just <laughs> everybody a hug and let's move. Yeah, because it, isn't it interesting how all of a sudden the the person you're intervening on, all these things become a uh, concern. Well, what am I going to do about my parakeet or my cat or my dog or, or my job or, or, or the neighbor's house that I've been house sitting or, or what? All of a sudden, all these things that were taking are playing second fiddle to the drugs and alcohol. Huh? Become uh, this big priority, you know. Yeah, the externals become real important. Yeah. Here we are, you know, we're not taking care of any of it anyway, <laughs> and it all of a sudden becomes paramount in our lives. And that's what that's pre-intervention work, Monty. Yeah, it's all pre-intervention work. You got to plug all the holes. You got to find out who's going right. to take care of the dog or the cat. You got to find out who's going to, you know, who's going to babysit or who, who in the family is going to, you know, step up and and watch, you know, pick the kid up from school and and watch one of the weekends. You have to make sure that all that because the disease of addiction again, the disease of addiction is going to attach to all of those externals to try to pull them out and say, well, we yeah. can do this. I mean, I've got school. What do you, what do you mean? I'm in the middle of school. Well, you know, and really, you know, what school got to do with, with anything at this point in time? I mean, you're right. kind of a disease right. of fiction. I mean, what's that got to do with it? Let's, we're, you know, the parents are going to withdraw you, and we'll get back on board when you get well. Uh, you know, and, and again, there's the interventionist speaking up. You don't want families saying that because they said it time and time again. Right, right. You know, and they're, right. Not, they're not hearing them. So, the, you know, you step in and go, look, your college can be placed on hold. Your life can't. Yeah, and it's good to be able to say when they say, "What about what about Fido taken care of? Yeah. What about school yeah, taken yeah. care of?" That's real common. The, yeah. the dog, the dog that's been stepped on and and, and yeah. hasn't been fed in three or four days. 
Right. Uh, yeah, that, all of a sudden that dog's real important. And, and you do, you run up against that stuff. And listen, I understand every bit of that's important. It's, it's important. Sure it is. Uh, yeah, but we got Johnny. We got, we got your parents. They're going to take care of this. We've got this. They're taking care of this. Oh, your online bills? Just, you know, if you're comfortable, give the password over here. Or maybe the treatment center lets you go online once a month and do and, and, and pay your bills. Don't worry about that. Or you've already got that taken care of. You plug every hole that's possible. And believe it or not, the family knows them. I mean, they know every every excuse that they're going to make. They're going to tell you right off, well, he's not going to do this because he's got a job, and he doesn't want to lose this job. And there's another hurdle that you got to get over right there. Uh, no. I was going to ask you, you had mentioned that, that some folks in this field object to stopping uh, uh, midstream if somebody agrees to go right then and there. Uh, why do they object to that? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. You know, it's just a style that people use. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a style they want to get everything out on the on the table and and, and the boundaries set right up there front, uh, right up front, all those boundaries. But that's why I really encourage the, the treatment team or the treatment center that they're going to to make sure that they get those letters and read those letters and understand. And you know, if you're going to a good treatment center, if you're going to a good place, a good rehab, you know, like uh, you know, again, I'm going to use Benchmark Recovery Center here. And you know, you. Go to Benchmark Recovery Center. The, fan, the, the the team here is going to let you read those letters for sure, and they're going to they're going to have the families remind them when they want to leave. Uh, they're going to remind them of their boundaries. That's why I love interventions because interventions gets it all sewn up at the front door. In other words, everything is sewn up, and you hand off to a larger a, a larger team or or a, a, a you know a treatment center that understands those boundaries and knows how to, how to keep those boundaries in place during the treatment episode because. If you, what, what good is if you set a boundary that if Johnny calls home, I don't know why I use Johnny, but Johnny calls home and Johnny says, you know what, I, I want to leave, and, and the parent goes, you know, they digress. Because my experience is the families, if they're not worked with on a regular basis, which again, a place like this does real well, benchmark, uh, what happens is they start their own digression. I mean, you know, it's no fault of their own. I mean, they go back to kids, they go back to their careers, they right, whatever right. they're doing, and they start to digress. And so if you're not on top of that family, you know, literally moving them and advancing them in correlation with the addicted, uh, not too good. And let's talk about that for a second. Um, the family, in many cases, is going to be having to do as much work, if not more, than the person in treatment, true? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be encouragement uh, for them to go to the family programs of Al-Anon or, you know, some yeah. of these, these programs that have been created for the family members. Uh, because, again, you go back to this is you know, it's a family disease that affects everybody in the family. And, and too, you know, I think we talked about this, too, is that the, you know, the, the co-addict, and that's what they're called in a lot of cases, somebody that's uh, codependent or whatever or the enabler or whatever, they've played a role in this individual's life for so long and now that role was gone. So yes. Imagine you got you got the addicted going to treatment. They're getting they're getting uh, they're moving down. They're getting some tools to walk out and and, and gain permanent sobriety. And then they walk back into the family of origin that hasn't done any work whatsoever. Common sense dictates you. There's dictates there's going to be a problem. Yeah. Okay? Because now now you know uh, the wife is going to try to assume the role that this you know that she had before and it's not there any longer. And they become lost. 
and they'll start putting hypertensity. You know, they'll they become hyper hyper they're real hypersensitive around the individual, yeah. which causes them to to start you know saying things like, "Well, if you're going to accuse me, I might as well do it." Or, you know, you're making you know you're making light of me going to a meeting. You know, this is what it is for me. They get jealous because they're going to too many meetings, or they're spending time with a sponsee. You know, so they, you know, it's really, really important, family members, to go to your own, get your own recovery going. It's not the end of the world. And this, and by the way, you know, this is very common, Monty. I mean, you'll hear this. Well, he's the one with the problem, or she's the one with the problem. You bet. And and and, and that that is that it's that's a that's a deadly statement, an absolutely deadly statement. The disease of addiction is a family disease, and it affects everybody in the family. And uh, anybody who's uh, who's been in Al-Anon for years will tell you, you know, that uh, if the Al-Anon is not getting getting help in correlation while the while the yeah. it is is getting their help, the chances are very rare for that individual to stay sober. Again, another plug for, for Benchmark Recovery Center. This is what they do. This is what the, the family is very paramount. This we got this. Mark Houston got this years ago. If the family's not on board, they're not united all the way through the treatment episode and then some. Forget about it. Yeah, it's yeah, work. yeah. It's work. You just you're just throwing them back right back to the wolves, uh, and that happens unfortunately. Um, you know, okay, so there there is uh, there is kind of a um, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, there's something to measure the um, the client's uh, treatment. Uh, you know, you guys are involved with them, especially if they go to benchmark. Uh, you're involved with them from beginning to the time they leave the treatment center. But you're not always you don't have that measuring stick with the family. Right. I mean, you can't do as much with them. They're kind of on their honor to to go to Al-Anon or go seek some uh-huh. some other other help. Uh do you you'll see that pretty quick in the phone when you're when yeah a phone contact that, that this place has with family members you'll pick up on that real quick Monty. you'll know if they're moving down a, a path of wellness themselves it's not hard to see do you have to get in their face do you have to get and everything else do you have to get in their face sometimes and say look at you have got to get uh, on board with this you've got your 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 son or your daughter your mom or your dad they've been in treatment now for for uh for two months they're moving forward you have got to get on this thing, otherwise you're going to end up right back where you were. Right, and we did, and, 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 and again, any place that's doing really good, solid work. Yeah. And, and uh, believe me, I'm going to tell you right now. You know, most places. I mean, they, they're a lot of places are doing good work, but you know, rather than month two, let's start that on month. Let's start that on week one. Okay, week one. You know, where we're starting to coach the families immediately and open their eyes to how they've been right. participating in the addicted's life. Is that a hard pill and for them to swallow? Not in the shaming way either. You cannot shame a family member around this. I mean, you know, these yeah. you know, we don't, you know, these addicted don't come with instructions. It's like when Johnny becomes addicted, this is how we operate. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is going to be one of those things that you get. You got to work with them and show them. And you you get this through a lot of history. Once you start gathering history on the individual, uh, the addicted individual. Once you start gathering history, you'll start to see where they're playing a part in it. Right. Is that a hard pill for most to swallow? That they've been that is it a hard pill for most family members to swallow that they have been part of the problem? Of course. 
Yeah. Now, again, the family members, in a lot of respects, have more denial. Look how long this has been going on. My family members, uh, of course, I'm in recovery. My, my my family members did it for years. They shoved it under the carpet and minimized it. Right. You know, right. and and they minimized their participation in it. And uh, of course, once that's brought to light, it's it's very shocking. It's very shocking. Some family members take it better than others. Some, if you you, you know, you you got to not, you, they cannot feel like. Like uh, you know, shaming them by saying, "Well, you should have done this and you should have done you don't, that." Doesn't work, right? You know, you got to bring them in the fold, nice and gently, and just say, "Look, this is. Let me give you an example of what you could have done differently in this situation here." You know, and just just and here's a consideration. We at benchmark use consideration. You know, give people considerations rather than ultimate ultimatums. How important is the? Um you use, I'm going to use the word ultimatum for lack of a better term. Uh, when you're when you're working with the person you're intervening with, I mean, I I, I had said to somebody here recently, uh, in in telling them that you, they really need to listen to this workshop because they have a family member that they're just I, they're kind of you know I don't know if we should do an intervention or not. I mean. You know, the church is going to help, but they really don't know how. I said, you need to listen to this workshop. And um, I said, there's got to be some ultimatums with the person that you're intervening on. I mean, you just can't say, well, you know, if you, if you don't go to treatment, we'll work something out. Right? I mean, there's got to be something. Oh, no, no, no. You cannot negotiate with the disease of addiction. This right. Is, people get in trouble, Monty. They, they try to negotiate with it. It wins every time. There's no negotiating with it. Yeah. You state the case. You have strong boundaries in place with consequences if they don't uh, follow, follow the, uh, the boundaries. Yeah. You have strong consequences in place. The only thing that the disease of addiction understands is action. It doesn't mm-hmm. understand words. If words were enough to get me sober, hell, I would have been sober 20 years, 20, 25, 30 years right, ago. Right, right, right. You get sober by just huh? reading the sayings on the wall, right? <laughs> Well, the first time that I did, you know, that I got in trouble, you know, I got in trouble with uh, with the law, with law enforcement, you know, and my family, you know, told me, well, just don't do that anymore, you know. I mean, I would have stopped right then, you know. You so that's not the case. Yeah. Words don't mean anything. Actions with you know ultimatums with teeth in it, boundaries with teeth in it. Not, you know, if I find if I see anybody that's weak and it's going to digress, what what use is it to even send them to treatment? Forget about it. Right. They're not going to do. They're going to. They're not going to work. I mean, I tell you, I have passed up on people here at Benchmark because the family can't get united. It's not going to work here because when the minute it gets rough, they're going to call home and say, "Well, they are going to give them that list of things like, well, I'll go anywhere but here. This place is like this. You know, they'll, they'll make a case and present it to their to their family members. And of course, if that family member is weak, you've lost them. They're gone. Right. 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 Gone. They're going to leave treatment. They're going to circumvent it. And they just, the disease has won yet again. So that's again goes back to intervention. If you get this, this stuff done right at the very front, the intervention is done. I'd say an intervention has been done on every one of them. I just, that's what I say. And it's not because of anything other than setting, the, setting everything up front and setting the expectations, setting the boundaries, setting right. everything up front so that you have a shot at a successful treatment episode for the IP. Well, we we are going to we're going to be talking uh, a lot in, more in detail about the treatment uh, uh, picture here uh, on our next uh, on our fourth part on this entitled transport and treatment. Um, this is 
boy, this is really where the rubber meets the road, huh, Tony? I mean, the person oh, yeah. get, getting him in that car, getting him on that plane, getting him in treatment. What happens the first week? Uh, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about things like what happens when they want to leave, uh, what do the family members do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is going to be very interesting because um, an intervention is only as good as the treatment that the person is going to be attending. True? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you bet. You bet. They have to go to a place that understands. Well, I mean, it's like you know, you go back to the intervention. I mean, you go do the intervention; it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. Right. Well, you can get the person moving. I mean, it's uh, that's really not the hard part. And a lot of family members never think that the hard part is keeping them in treatment. It's one thing to move them; it's another to keep them. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're going to be talking about how you guys do that, and uh, and you know. Well, it's, I've got a, a, several people that have emailed me with some questions, so uh, I, I really look forward to this. Uh, Tony, we, we are we are out of time. Uh, thank you so much uh, once again for doing this. This is uh, this is so vital and so important. Uh, you know, my we, pleasure, my pleasure. We we could be interviewing people um, that tell their story of experience, strength, and hope all, all day long, but. But what we try to do here at Take 12 Radio is dig even a little deeper than that because sometimes there's a lot more going on than just deciding that you're going to go to a 12-step support meeting and uh, knock it off, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Much more to it. Yeah, you bet. Much more to it. So Tony Tony Mesberger is uh, is our guest and uh, the one that really doing this workshop for us, folks, from Benchmark Recovery Center. Visit the website at benchmarkcenter.com. Any closing thoughts or words uh, for this one, Tony? No, you know, Monty, I, I mean, I, I told you earlier, you know, I just, thank you for what you're doing out here. You know, thank you for what you're doing out here. This is this is a big deal. Uh, people need to be informed so they can make, you know, make, yeah. uh, make informed decisions. And so thanks for what you're doing. And, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here. All mine. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tony. Uh, Don't hang up, uh, folks. Remember, our email address is take12radio at comcast.net. If you'd like more information about Benchmark, please email us. Visit uh, benchmarkcenter.com. Give us a call. Uh, Just don't do, you know, do something. Don't just sit there and go, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. If there's something going on and you need help, please give us a call. We've got just an enormous amount of uh, information for you here at the station. We can refer you to people. Uh, I, I certainly don't know everything, but I have a lot of friends that do. Uh, they do know a lot more than I do. Uh, and if you're with me and you don't have an answer, maybe we put our heads together. We can get some ha- answers. And, and if you got somebody that needs an intervention, uh, may I recommend Benchmark Recovery Center? Give them a call, would you please? Uh, the link is here uh, at Take12Radio.com, also on our YouTube site. Uh, you can find uh, all the information you need to to contact Benchmark. All right, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with Tony Mesbarger, and we're wishing serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.